Hey, everybody, it's Pete Warner coming to you from the Bob Varley studio. And if this sounds a little different than what you were expecting, that's because it is. Um, actually, uh, Dustin, Jenny Lynn, and I all have the flu. So we are not doing our usual show this week. Uh, you guys know I'm pretty, uh, pretty intense when it comes to being exposed to other people's illnesses or exposing other people to mine. So I'm uh, being, uh, being responsible, even though uh, I have been taking Tamiflu and I am not contagious, nor was I contagious when I got on the plane yesterday to come home from Richmond. This is a precautionary measure. So at the same time, I didn't want to not do a show because, well, truth be told, I kind of enjoy it. So I thought, you know what? I've been sleeping all day and I've got energy. It is currently 10 minutes to midnight on Monday, April 13th. And I said, you know, that'd be kind of cool. Just, you know, grab a cup of coffee, go back into the studio and record something. I haven't done a sick show in a while. And, uh, you know, I don't want you guys to go without a show this week. And I know this isn't ideal, but, uh, you know, something different and some things that I want to talk about. So actually, we've got a few things that we're going to talk about. Now, one of them I'm going to record in the morning because it involves John and I want him to make the announcement about our Dizapalooza party for this year. So in a little bit, well, for you in a little bit, you're going to hear John talk about it, but for me, it's going to be in the morning. Uh, the other big announcement that we had this week was Podcast Cruise 6 for December 4th through the 11th of 2016. Now, for those of you who've been following the show for any length of time, you know that it is highly unusual for us to announce any of our December events, Podcast Cruise or otherwise, this far in advance. Well, there's a reason that we're doing that. Uh, namely, that uh, part of that involves the fact that Podcast Cruise 6, for the first time, will be on the Oasis of the Seas, Royal Caribbean ship, not a Disney ship. Now, don't, uh, don't read any more into that than is already there. This is not that we don't like Disney. We love Disney. We love Disney Cruise Line. But uh, this, uh, one of the, some of the feedback that we got from the last one was that the prices were just little outside the scope of what people were able to pay. And we wanted to change this up some. We wanted to do something different. And uh, John, Kevin, and I are huge fans of the Oasis of the Seas, Royal Caribbean and Oasis of the Seas. And we thought it would be fun. It's a very different ship. It's a very different experience. But I think we're going to have a lot of fun. So... Wednesday, April 15th, the morning of Wednesday, April 15th, you will be able to book Podcast Cruise 6 on board the Oasis of the Seas. The other reason that we're doing it so early is that right now, Royal Caribbean is offering a buy one, get one half off sale through April 30th. And if you book between now and April 30th, first passenger in the stateroom is full price, second one is half off. And that's pretty good. We've been seeing some really good pricing. And when I say really good pricing, you know, really good pricing. And now I, I do want to make some things clear, though. The uh, 
The buy one, get one half off is a great deal, but it does not apply to all staterooms and all stateroom categories. We've also secured some really, really great group space at some amazing prices. So there are going to be times where the group space is cheaper than the buy one, get one half off. But when you put your request in, Tracy Heinrichs, who's handling these reservations for us, she's going to price everything out and she'll come back to you with all your options. But the key is you want to shoot first, ask questions later. Get this pricing while it's good. And like I said, Wednesday, April 15th, we will be opening these up for bookings. We expect it to sell pretty well, especially with the prices that we're seeing. And so it's a $500 deposit per stateroom, flat rate, doesn't matter how many people you have in there. So if you have four people traveling with you, it's still $500. Uh, Some people have asked, If they were traveling alone with a single supplement, would they still get the buy one, get one half off? If that is available for your stateroom, yes. Because uh, I don't know how many people know that if you're traveling alone, you still have to pay the price of two people. Uh, Cruise lines have pretty much stopped doing any kind of special single supplement. They They want two people. They want two people in those staterooms. So if you are traveling solo, getting one of these buy one, get one half off staterooms is a pretty good deal because you're going to pay 150% instead of 200%. Again, we'll have links to, the, links to it in the show notes page, uh, disunplugged.com. Plus, I have a feeling that you're not going to be able to spit on the site without seeing banners for, for the podcast crews. So. Um, just keep your eyes open. It'll be on Facebook. It'll be on Twitter. It'll be on our, like I said, on Disunplugged page, our show notes page. So just uh, head over there and check it out. And uh, Rhino actually has put together a great overview video of the Oasis. He was actually working on this before we knew we were going to be announcing uh, Podcast Crew 6. So kind of a serendipitous that he had it ready. And we've got a great little overview video to show that'll be up uh, on the site as well on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash WDW info. Well, everyone, as promised, I have John on the phone. How are you, John? I'm doing good. How you doing? Um, hanging in, hanging in, trying to make sure we don't uh, give the disease to the rest of the team. We've already got uh, me, Dustin, and Jenny Lynn sick, so we don't need anybody else sick. So. That's but- appreciated. I know that you're having a busy morning with the ABD River Cruises being uh, being released. We are. Very exciting. I'm sure you've talked about it already, but the Disney uh, Adventures by Disney has partnered with AMA Waterways, and we are seeing a lot of interest in these river cruises. Really exciting because um, they're limited in the number of sail dates. Yeah, so, only five sail dates. Yeah. So if you're interested, you got to act fast. But uh, I think what people are really interested about is the fact that we have been teasing for the last few days about our Dizapalooza party in December. I know I've been busting at the seams with this. And uh, so why don't you go ahead and tell everyone what it is we're going to be doing this December? I would be happy to do so. Um, as the folks who listen to our show over the years know, uh, every other year we throw a party. 
Um, we try to do something big, uh, bigger and better than we've done in the past, and I think we've, uh, we've managed to do that this year. Mm-hmm. We're very excited to say that on Saturday, December 5th, 2015, beginning at 9 p.m. and running until midnight, Dreams Unlimited Travel, The Diz, and The Diz Unplugged are very happy to invite our guests to join us at a huge, huge party in Diagon Alley. Woohoo! In Universal Studios. Uh, really, really excited about it. We have rented out Diagon Alley for the evening. Uh, it's going to be all ours. Uh, for, th- for folks who are familiar with Diagon Alley, you're going to know that there's uh, Green Gots. The riders there are very, very successful. Um, uh, sought after ride. You can't really get on it unless you go to the early morning hours. Um, and other than that, then there's like hours and hours of wait. People are going to be able to ride it over and over and over again as much as they want. Um, the other thing we're really excited about is something that Universal has never done before for any for any private event, and that is we're going to be able to ride the Hogwarts Express. That's so cool. Very excited about this. Uh, one of the things we want to make sure people understand is that we are just going to be in Diagon Alley. It's not going to be as uh, Wizarding World of Harry Potter as well. However, you'll be able to ride the train back and forth, which is really cool because it is actually two different experiences depending on uh, the way the train runs. Uh, It was one of my favorite things to do in the expansion of Wizarding World and uh, Diagon Alley. So I think people are going to really enjoy that because you get to enjoy both of those experiences. Yes, absolutely. I think especially just being able to do the round trip on on Hogwarts is so cool. But that's not all. That is not all, for sure. There's going to be plenty of entertainment. Um, There's going to be the singing singing sorceresses. You'll be able to experience Gringotts Money Exchange. Ollivanders will be open, and they're going to be doing the wand experience. Um, We are actually going to have a DJ that's going to be playing some music and keeping things lively. All Broadway show tunes. Broadway show tune, so you can sing along. Um, all of the specialty shops will be open, so you won't have to, you know, worry about you know, trying to get in and purchase stuff. You'll be able to purchase anything you want. Uh, Nocturne Alley will be available as well. So cool. Um, so all of the things that you normally experience when you go into Diagon Alley will be there. One of the other things is that we're going to have an experience with um, the night bus. Out in front, yep. Bit, I'm sorry, say that again? It's out in front. No, it's the bus that's out in front of, uh, before you enter into Diagon Alley. Correct. We're going to have a little bit of experience with the uh, bus driver and all that's going to go on. Um, it's a whole bunch of stuff. There's going to be a big, long list of everything that's going on. What we will do is there'll be a post on the Diz boards that will link to all of the information. And we will also have a sign-up page which will be available beginning on Monday, April 20th. Um, that's when we're going to actually put up the sign-up page so folks can start to sign up. But we'll make sure we get the information out in multiple ways. A couple of things I want to mention. Uh, the price is $75 per person. That's both for adults and kids. I apologize. We can't lower the price for kids. That's what Universal is charging us. They're charging us a flat rate per person. Um, so we can't really change that price up too much. And then the other thing is, is that we are going to be having some refreshments as part of our event. 
Uh, we're going to have a whole bunch of specialty drinks. It will be pumpkin juice and butter beer, uh, lemonade, iced tea, apple cider, lemon squash, fizzy orange juice, fishy green ale, peach tree fizzy tea, and bottled gilly water. Uh, in addition to that, we have also arranged that the Florian Ice Cream Parlor will be open. It'll be all-you-can-eat ice cream of all of their famous flavors. We can eat a lot of ice cream. Yep. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, if you are interested in eating that evening, the Leaky Cauldron will be open, but that will be at your own expense uh, for food and beverage. And also uh, the, uh, the the bar locations uh, will be open as well, but that is at your at your own expense as well. Correct. Um, we think that because of the late hour, it didn't make any sense to really have um, a catered event. People don't usually eat that late, but we thought the ice cream and the drinks and everything would really be a, a cool addition to having all of Diagon Alley at our exposed exposal. I am so excited about this. I am too. I'm really excited. We, um, you know, we talk about what we're going to do every year. And we go back and forth, and it was during um, an opportunity for us to experience Diagon Alley that Pete actually turned to me and said, I want this. I want this. Those were, those were literally were my exact words. I looked at him, because John and I saw it for the first time together when we did a, a VIP tour with Universal. And we're walking through, and I, I just looked at him, I said, I want this. I also told him that there's a requirement uh, that uh, in order for us to do this, before anybody else is in there, I have to be able to run around Diagon Alley yelling, it's mine, it's mine, it's all mine. So, I'm so excited about this. I just, you know, and I think, you know, what people need to remember uh, with this is that this is three un- uninterrupted hours with a very, very limited group of people. And you just don't get that at Diagon Alley because the best you can do is if you are staying at a Universal Resort, you get one hour in the morning. And that's it. So this is three hours. This is ride Gringotts as much as you want. This is ride the Hogwarts Express as much as you want. This is all the butterbeer, pumpkin juice, and ice cream you can consume. And all the other amazing little details. And uh, one of the things that's going to be happening over the next few months, uh, Craig and his team on the Universal Show are going to be doing a whole series on Diagon Alley and ways to get the most out of it. So there'll be stuff for you to listen to and learn about uh, what you can do at Diagon Alley. But this is going to be the biggest Dizapalooza yet. This is going to be, the, this is the blowout one. I have some, I have just some uh, sort of ancillary information I want everybody to know. Um, you do not have to book with Dreams Unlimited Travel to attend the event. The uh, event will be open to everybody who wants to sign up and pay. There will be a cap on the number of attendees. However, based on previous events, we're probably going to be okay with that number. Um, we're going to stop at about 700 people, which is almost exactly what we had in our last event. Right. So if you're interested, my suggestion is sign up quick um, and get in, in our system as soon as you can. Also, we will be offering transportation from Disney Resorts to the party that evening. There will be a cost for that. What we're going to do is in the sign-up form to sign up for the party, we're going to ask, do you think you would be interested in the transportation? And what we'll do is we'll collect 
all of the people who said yes, and we will then contract with a bus company to arrange that transportation. When you go through our forms, if you say yes to the transportation, you are not obligated to take the transportation. We're just trying to get an idea. It will ask you where you're staying at Disney so we can get an idea of about what resorts you have to stop at. However, if you're staying at Universal, all of the Universal hotels uh, are within walking distance to the party. You'll be fine to just be able to walk over and walk back at the end of the evening. And also, um, the parking will be open as well. So if you're not staying uh, at a Disney resort or a Universal resort, or if you're local, you can park at Universal. And it's my understanding that for Florida residents, after 4 p.m., parking is actually free. So that's a good perk if you're a local and you don't want to book a room and you just want to come to the party. You can park for free in their parking structure. And I am going to take the opportunity, even though it is not a requirement, of course, that you book through Dreams Unlimited to attend the party. Um, if you are interested at staying in staying at a Universal Resort, by all means, we'll have a link to it in the show notes page. Head over to dreamsunlimitedtravel.com and put in a request uh, for a room and let one of our amazing agents price something out for you. It, you. If you haven't experienced Universal Resorts, this would be a great time to do it. It's uh, they're, they're amazing. You've heard me talk about them. I'm going to be talking about them a little more later in this show. And it's uh, they're, they're awesome resorts, and I'm probably going to be staying over there for this. Because I agree. We probably will be as well. I'll take any cheap excuse. I'll, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and now, just so people understand... Um, the two most convenient resorts to be at to get access to Universal Studios Florida, the Hard Rock Hotel, which is literally right next door, and the Royal Pacific Resort. Now, technically speaking, Cabana Bay and Portofino Bay are within walking distance, but it's a little bit longer of a walk, especially from Portofino. It's a, you know, it's a about 15-minute walk. So you might want to just factor that in. But Hard Rock is right next door. Royal Pacific, also very, very close. So factor that in. I don't know if the transportation... Well, the transportation should be running for CityWalk. So you can, you know, even if you're staying at Portofino, you can take the boat over to CityWalk and just walk into Universal. So consider that as well. But it's just going to be unbelievable. It's just going to be unbelievable. And very excited so about it. I'm going to celebrate, I'm going to celebrate my birthday at... Uh, at Universal this year. You are. I'm so excited. Very cool. Just to remind everybody, the date of the party, December 5th, 2015, at 9 p.m. till midnight. The price is $75 per person, and we're going to open up bookings on Monday, April 20th. Um, and again, we're going to make sure that all of this is posted on the boards so that uh, you can reference that quickly and get into our system as quickly as possible. So excited, John. I can't wait. Me too. Great job with this. Great, great job with this. Thank you. You know, it was funny because I, uh, when John first came to me with uh, some of the details of this, he said, you know, he said to me, oh, and the ice cream shop will be open, but, you know, people have to pay for it. And I was like, oh, that kind of sucks. And then, like, I think it was the next day, you called me and said, okay, I got the ice cream too. <laughs> so... I love that. I love that we're going to be able to eat all the ice cream we want because I'm not fat enough. I guess say is, you know, I'm not a huge Harry Potter fan. It's not something I've ever sat down and even watched all the movies. I watched some of them. 
Heretic. Like, there are a couple things in Diagon Alley that really were like, this is so cool. I think Hogwarts Express is really cool. Very. And I thought the ice cream parlor was really cool. It had some really fun flavors. Um, they're uh, known for their clotted cream, and they have a salted caramel blondie flavor. And there's also a butterbeer flavor. Mm-hmm. So all of those flavors is that they're sort of known for at the ice cream parlor. Well, also, also Nocturne Alley. Um, I love Nocturne Alley. That's kind of like the dark side of Diagon Alley. It's where all the bad witches and wizards hang out. They did just such a brilliant, brilliant job. I mean, they did a brilliant job with the whole thing, but that in particular I thought was so well done. Um, there are so many nooks and crannies to explore in Diagon Alley. It's one of the things I love I love about it. And they, they just did such an amazing, amazing job of putting this together. And that we're going to have it to ourselves for three hours is just a dream come true. It's so cool. So, all right. Well, great, great job on this, John. We're very, very excited, and I'm sure... Everyone listening will be very excited, too. So plan on being in Orlando, December 5th, 2015. So, all right, John, thanks so much. Thanks, Pete. We'll talk to you later. All right, bye. Bye. So there you have it. There you have it. You can stop asking me about what we're doing this December. There it is. The genius has struck again. Diagon Alley, December 5th. 2014, 9 p.m. to midnight, $75 per person, adult and child. There it is. All right, so I I don't really have a format for this show. I didn't plan on doing it. I'm not going to sit here and do, like, the news stories and rapid fires and stuff like that because, I don't know, it would seem a little demented uh, doing it by myself. I could try doing it in everyone's vo- everyone else's voice, but... That would, I think, take Demented to a whole new level. But there are some things I want to talk about. First, some of you know, if, you've been follow- if you follow me on Facebook, you know that uh, Dustin and I were out in Arizona and Utah doing the Adventures by Disney's Cowboys and Canyons. And uh, doing this for a specific reason. Hey, I wanted to do it again, but, uh, you know, I don't talk about it. I haven't talked about it too much Uh not for any particular reason other than that I just haven't. But uh, I've really been investing a lot of time and effort into my photography skills. And I, I, I've always had a passion for it. I love taking pictures. Never been particularly good at it. I'm not bad. But, you know, it, it's, it kind of sucks sometimes working next to Corey Martin. Because if you want to see just amazing photographs... This guy's a genius. I mean, anything visual, Corey's a genius to begin with. But photography in particular, you know, when 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 Julie first got pregnant, that's when Corey really kind of said, okay, I want great pictures of my kids. So he bought the right equipment, learned what he needed to learn, and boom, like out of the gate, Corey was just like taking these amazing pictures. And he makes me sick. He really does. I hate him sometimes. No, I'm kidding. Of course, I don't hate him. But you know what I'm saying. Just like, oh, my God. And... When I was in Europe uh, back in September, we were in Florence, and uh, there's a very popular shopping area, a bridge actually, called the Ponte Vecchio. And at the end of the Ponte Vecchio, there was a camera store. And it was a cute little Italian camera store. 
And, you know, it's that's like a best buy for me. I can't pass by these places. I got to go in. So it was Dustin, Mike Holland, myself, and I think it's a couple other people there with us, too. <laughs> we went into this camera store. And I won't bore you with all the details, but they had a camera that was a model, couple models, actually, up from the one that I had. And I was, like, coveting this camera for a while. But the price on it was just a little hard to swallow. The body, the body alone was about $3,300. And I was just like, I can't, you know, I can't spend that kind of money on a camera. But uh, they had one of these cameras. It's a Nikon D800E. They had one of these cameras in the store on consignment. And it was basically about half price. It was used but lightly used and it was still under warranty looked to be in great condition. I got to tell you one of the best purchases I've ever made. I got it for about, I'm going to say about 1700 us, uh, which is a great deal. It's a great deal. It's like half price. And this camera has been my, my best friend ever since I bought it. The last half of the Italy trip, I got amazing pictures with it. The, uh, you know, every place I've traveled since, everything I've done, the parks, anything, that camera goes with me. And it really kind of inspired me to want to learn more about taking better photos and being a better photographer, kind of doing something new. It still kind of fits into what I do for a living with the site and the traveling, but it's also another discipline that's kind of unrelated and allows me to learn something new. So, you know, books, podcasts, uh, online courses, things like that. I've been, I've been doing a lot of that over the last, say, six to nine months. And I wanted to go back to the Southwest because I remember doing that trip five years ago, five, five or so years ago, and saying, this is a photographer's paradise. This trip is a photographer's dream. Just the most stunning, stunning natural beauty you could find. And I'm not going to go into too much detail because we're going to be doing a show. It should be May 12th is what we have it scheduled for right now on our experiences out in the Southwest. But, you know, we charter trips with ABD every year. And I'd had the idea when I went out there five years ago to charter that trip as a photography trip, but didn't really put the effort in to get it off the ground. But this time I decided this is what I want to do. So we went on this trip kind of with an eye towards what would I change about it to gear it toward people who were interested in learning photography or people who were already accomplished with photography. So while I'm not ready to make an official announcement about that, I will tell you that the idea, the plan is sometime next year, probably in the spring, April timeframe, that we are going to charter the Cowboys and Canyons trip. And we're going to do it with an eye toward photography, people at all levels, people that want to learn, people that already know, and got a lot of things I'm thinking about doing. And I, I, I really enjoyed the process of learning. And I think I want to kind of share that process and engage in it with other folks and kind of just like, just like sharing a passion here. 
passion for ABD, a passion for photography. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, this trip, this trip was amazing. So if you'd be interested in something like that, Kevin at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com, shoot him an email. And uh, he'll put you on the waiting list and we'll let you know when we have something. Just to let people know, average price for one of these ABDs is about anywhere from 41 to 4300 a person. Again, we don't have a contract or anything yet, so I don't know what the price is going to be. But figure it's going to be around that. If you think you might be interested in this, Kevin at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Let him know I put you on the waiting list. And when we have a contract or more information, you'll be the first to know. You'll have first dibs on this trip. But like I said, I'm going to talk a lot more about it uh, next month. Going to do a show on it. And speaking of adventures by Disney, big, big, big announcement from them this week. Uh, They are breaking into the river cruise market, which actually I knew about. But, you know, we don't always talk about the things we know or we hear. I will read you the story as it is on the Diz right now. Adventures by Disney has announced a new partnership with AMA Waterways to bring an exclusive river cruise itinerary to their guests in 2016. The cruises will be an eight-day, seven-night itinerary down the Danube River, River, okay, Danube River, sailing between Budapest, Hungary, Slovakia, and Germany. And uh, there are going to be five departures planned for next year, July 7th, the 14th, the 21st. It looks like, I think that's supposed to read August 18th and December 22nd. Uh, one of those, I believe the July 7th one is going to be a DVC members cruise. And uh, it looks like uh, this company, AMA Waterways, which I hadn't heard of, is building a ship specifically for this. Which... You know, let's all kind of take a pause here. This company is building a ship specifically for families. And they're partnering with ABD. And ABD has had a lot of say in how the ship gets built. Does anybody can figure out where I'm going here? How long, if this works, do you think before DCL banner is flying over that ship? Or before DCL just buys AMA Waterways outright? River cruising is a big thing right now. It is the emerging market in cruising. You know, cruising itself uh, really kind of went through its emerging market phase about 10 to 15 years ago. Uh, And it's still very good and grows every year. And, you know, a lot of people are getting exposed to cruising. So now river cruising is becoming the new thing. These ships are smaller. They are more intimate. So they can go places that these big, massive cruise ships can't, like down the Danube River. You're not going to be floating a massive cruise liner down the Danube. But these river boats can go there. They're very big in Europe. Uh, Viking Cruises just announced that they're going to be bringing one to the United States, uh, out of New Orleans, I believe, next year. And I was surprised that they didn't partner with Viking because Viking, from what I understand, and I'll just be honest here, I'm not very well versed in the business, the uh, river cruise business. But my understanding was that Viking was the big player. And uh, for those of you who follow, uh, John, Kevin, and I and a group of folks are doing a a Viking cruise in uh, Paris, out of Paris in the fall. And... The reason that we're doing that, one of the reasons, 
is that A, river cruises are emerging. B, we knew uh, Adventures by Disney at some point was getting into the business. And C, we wanted to understand more about it. So uh, this, is, this is interesting. This is interesting that, you know, only uh, five dates were announced. ABD is reserving the right to add more. Obviously, if, uh, you know, they're doing it in the summer and then, so you have July 7th, 14th, 21st. I think that might be, I think there's a typo in the news story. I think it's supposed, it reads the 18th. I think it's supposed to be the 28th. And then they're doing a holiday cruise, which I think would probably be just absurd. Absurdly gorgeous. Can you imagine Christmas down the Danube? Oh my God. Just getting all gay over here, clutching my pearls. So I'm, I'm very interested to see where this is going to go, but uh, so that was the big that was a big announcement from uh, from D, uh, ABD uh, happening. Actually, happened tonight, the night I'm recording this Monday. Um, I'm going to switch gears though a little bit. Um, as I was getting ready to come in and record, I was sitting in my office and I was going through CNN.com, and uh, big story about hidden cameras finding airport workers stealing from people's luggage. And, you know, I knew that, I've always known that this is a thing. I had no idea it was as bad as it is. 31,000 reported cases in the last four years. And apparently in Miami, they had put some hidden cameras in the cargo hold of a plane and we're catching these guys red-handed. What really bothered me, uh, John F. Kennedy airport in New York tops the list of airports with the most claims of valuable stolen from check luggage. That one's not going to surprise me. Los Angeles international was number two. That doesn't surprise me. What did surprise me was that Orlando international Clocks in at number three. Now, I don't know why. I guess because I love OIA. It's a great airport. Of all the airports I fly in and out, there are very few that match Orlando International. I think it's gorgeous, really well run. So maybe this is just kind of naivete on my part, but I was stunned to hear that Orlando International is the third worst airport for claims of theft from checked baggage. Now, this uh, this gives me the opportunity to remind people of things that maybe you know and just don't pay attention to or you didn't know. Never, ever, 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 ever pack anything of value in a checked bag. Never. If you have no alternative, ship it home. Ship it home. Pay the money. They said that of the 31,000 claims in the last four years, 25,000 of them involved checked baggage. Here's the other surprising one. 5,600 of them were claims that happened at a TSA checkpoint. You know when they're going through your luggage? And that's the one that scares me more than anything, because I will keep anything of value that I travel with in my 
in my carry-on. It's with me at all times. Every so often, it gets, uh, you know, randomly screened. And usually, they will take you to a screening area where you can stand there and watch what they're doing. When I was flying home from um, the Southwest trip, we were going through Grand Junction, Colorado. They randomly decided to screen my bag, which is fine. But he had his back to me. And I positioned myself such as that I could see exactly what he was doing. And one of the TSA reps said, I needed to step back. I said, then he needs to move that bag over where I can see it. Because I can't see what he's doing and he's in my bag. And I'm okay with him checking it, but I'm going to watch what he does. No valuables in your check baggage. And when they do go through your bag, you have a right to be present and watch what they're doing. You cannot interfere. You cannot touch anything. You keep your hands at your side, but you absolutely have a right to see what they are doing. Now, I know I've heard stories where people have said that a TSA agent says, I have to take this over here to a secure location where you can't see them. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. And you tell them that politely, politely, but unacceptable. You are to be with your bag at all times. So, like, I'll carry, like, some jewelry. I got this uh, jewelry bag at, uh, when I was in London, at the Tower of London. It was, like, this little jewelry bag with the, like, bedazzled with, like, a crown on it. Like, the tower jewels, like, the, the crown jewels. It's cute. I think so. Other people may think it's absolutely freakish, but okay. Anyway, um, sometimes I'll stuff too much in there. And when it goes through security goes through the the screening, they can't see what it is. It just comes up as a blob. So they have to take it out and they have to go through it. Now, if you want to see me crap myself, have somebody start rifling through my jewelry because I'll, I'll cut a. Okay. I got to take that out. Um, I'll cut somebody, you know, it's my jewelry. I love my jewelry. And you know, this one time this guy goes to open it up and I said, we need to move over here. You can do that where I can see everything you're doing. So do not be afraid to speak up. You always be polite. You always be professional. But those are your belongings. And you have a right to watch what is being done to them when they are being gone through. So just keep this in mind. This is really more a cautionary tale to everybody. Because if you're listening to this show, chances are you're planning to travel at some point. And you may not travel a lot, and you may think that these things don't happen. They do. If you're coming to Orlando, apparently, it's the third worst in the nation. And I think maybe at some point, Orlando International is going to have to answer for that. A lot of people trust their bags. You have to trust the airlines. You have to trust the airport when you check your baggage. And I think they should be held to account. For what they do to ensure the safety of that, of those bags, once they're put into their care. And I think OIA has some splaining to do, as Ricky Ricardo would say. Now, um, I do do want to mention that uh, if the audio sounds a little different, it's because uh, uh, I can no longer just like come in here and turn everything on and set it up because uh, 
pretty much it looks like you know we could launch a satellite into outer space from here. So I am set up on this really kind of you know it's a little my little Tascam portable recorder, um, my laptop, my mic, and uh, you know that's it. And uh, hope the audio sounds good, but I don't expect it will sound as good as uh, when we're doing the show for real. Oh, I shouldn't say that. I'm doing a real show here. It's just different. You know what I mean? I'm sick. Leave me alone. I'm hopped up on antihistamines, which I hope doesn't go on for too long because when I take antihistamines for more than two or three days, I really get ugly. (laughs) I really get ugly. In order to do this, I wanted to make sure I didn't sound overly congested and I'm having to pause a lot to cough and stuff like that. So, um... And you know, it is nice. It is really nice doing pre-recorded. I keep going back and forth in my head as to whether or not I should just bring the whole show back to pre-recorded or, or what, but I don't know. I don't know. I get a lot of people saying, yeah, do that. I get a lot of people saying, don't. We like the way it feels when it's live, even if we don't watch it live. I don't know. All right. Uh, something else uh, I wanted to talk about, and we actually have a voicemail I'm going to play here in a second, kind of dovetails into this. Uh, Orlando had a record number of tourists in 2014, 62 million people visiting the central Florida area. Uh, in 2013, there were 59 million visitors, uh, bed tax collections were also at an all time high 32 million room nights sold yielding $200 million in taxes. And, uh, this is pretty significant. And they're they're saying that the opening of Diagon Alley and New Fantasyland at Disney World were driving factors in why we did so well. I think, you know, another driving factor that they may be overlooking is the fact that the economy is a lot better. And it's just in general, you know, I, I realize I don't want to be insensitive. I realize there are people out there still dealing with the economy and unemployment, but Generally speaking, unemployment rates are starting to come back down to earth and things are starting to get better. And we're certainly seeing that in the tourist market here. And excuse me, I'm drinking my coffee. So if I'm slurping in your ear, I apologize. Trying not to, but it's quarter to one in the morning and I'm delirious and I need coffee. So deal with it. We received a voicemail. Let me see if I can do this. Hello, my name is Tammy Rice. I'm from Austin, Indiana. I have a question. Um, In light of all the uh, increasing crowds that there seem to be at Disney World uh, the last uh, recent times, uh, what kind of strategies do you think Disney should implement to help improve the guest experience when dealing with these large crowds? Thank you. Well, thank you, Tammy, for that. I get a couple answers for you. Uh, answer number one is uh, stop hiring college program people on the front line and start hiring people that can be invested in this job. That's the first thing. Uh, nothing worse than a crowded park with cast members that don't care or aren't trained. <clears throat> and let's just be honest, it's going on. It's out of control at Disney World, and it's only getting worse. And I'm not 
I'm, it's not that I'm not a fan of the college program. I am. I'm just not a fan of being used as the predominant hiring method for Walt Disney World because quality has decreased dramatically as a result. Some estimates I've heard are as many as 60% of frontline cast members are Disney College program cast members. And don't get me wrong, some of them are amazing because they love Disney. This is a dream job for them. They want a career with Disney. They want this experience and and they bring that magic to it. And I love those college program cast members. I love them. It's the ones that are here just because it's something to do for nine months. And Disney looks good in a resume. You can't have an engaged, professional cast when it's all temporary help. And that's all it is. These guys are there for nine months. So that's the first thing. Because, you know, yeah, there are crowds. An engaged cast would be lovely. That would be one thing that would help. Um, the other thing that would help is stop having everything under construction. Let's just be real. Let's, let's, un, let's really just all get honest with each other as to why everything is under construction. I can sum it up for you in two words. Universal Orlando. They are scaring the crap out of Disney. And they should be. This is the first time Disney is truly having to deal with an aggressive, well-funded, well-organized, motivated competitor in their own backyard here in Orlando. And I'm guaranteeing you the Disney executive that let the Wizarding World pass through his hands and into Universal's is kicking himself or herself right now. Because it was it, that was the game changer. That was the game changer here. And so they're having to do all this construction because they're losing market share. It's just that simple. They're losing market share. And they're going to continue to lose market share as long as they keep repeating some of the things they're doing right now. So, you know, they're banking a lot. I mean, it's taking them way too long. When you, have a be- when you have a well-funded, better-organized competitor who is putting up attractions, brand-new attractions, inside of 9 to 12 months and you can't get a parking garage together in under 18, inconveniencing your guests. I mean, and to describe what goes on at Downtown Disney as an inconvenience is an understatement. It's like saying a lobotomy is, is inconvenient. So the construction needs to go away. The cast could stand to be better trained, more engaged. The other thing I think that they could probably do is find ways to improve and expand what they're doing with My Magic Plus. Now, I know some people are going to say, go back to the fast, old FastPass system. It's, it's not going to happen. So if we want to deal in reality here, we got to deal in reality. They're not going back to the old FastPass system. So My Magic Plus is here to stay, and we can either complain about it, not go back, or embrace it. I've chosen to embrace it. You know, they were doing a test over the, over the uh, spring break and Easter weekend where they were allowing people to get four 
fast passes as opposed to three uh, in a particular day uh, in advance. So that might help. I don't know. The, the crowds are... Here's the thing. As long as the crowds are what they are, as long as the money is what it is, not a lot's going to change. All right, Disney is a company that follows the money. They follow the money. And if the money's coming in, they're willing to let things like service slide. They're willing to let things like the guest experience slide as long as people are coming in and paying. Now, what's, you know, obviously that's, you know, that's a short-term thing, you know, because eventually in the long term, people aren't going to come back. People aren't going to come back. People are going to say, you know, I went and it was crowded and it was hot and it was under construction and I don't want to be bothered. And then Disney will change things. Unfortunately, if that, if and when that happens, it's going to be too late. So, you know, really and truly, you know, the best advice I can give anyone in terms of dealing with crowns is do your homework. Do your homework. Don't depend on Disney to change things or do things to adjust to crowds. They they do and they will. Uh, whether it'll be successful or not remains to be seen. But this is one of those scenarios where you take you take control of your vacation and you take a look at you know one of the things that I I recommend to people and I'll continue to recommend uh, touringplans.com. Their crowd calendars are the best, bar none. And this will give you an idea of what the crowds are going to be like on your vacation because they do a lot of research, a lot of very scientifically sound research. And uh, I don't have any relationship. I mean, I'm I'm friends with Lentesta. I have great respect for Lentesta, but we have no business relationship. So um, I use uh, touringplans.com. And (laughs) I found it to be fairly accurate, very accurate. So you use that, use our boards, use the resources that are available on the web. Plan a good vacation for yourself. Don't expect Disney to run interference for you. They're not going to. You're going to have to figure some of that stuff out on your own. But thank you for the email, the voicemail. Let's see who else we have here. Some of these older ones here, because some of them have been sitting here for three weeks. Jonathan McDonald. Speak to me, Jonathan. Hey, Diz, this is Jonathan. Hey, I was wondering what your thoughts were about Disney's Hollywood Studios perhaps being rebranded as Disney's California Adventure. Haven't heard much conversation about this, but it could make some sense. A lot of the theming is the same, and they do have some similar rides. So what are your thoughts about having a Disney's California Adventure at Walt Disney World? Thanks for the show. I really enjoy watching, and take care. Well, thank you for that, Jonathan. Um... You can file this one under the list of things that will never happen. It will never be called Disney California Adventure. Um, California Adventure is about California. And I think trying to do that here in Florida would be kind of, would be ill-advised. So let me, let me, let me restate that. Put this in the category of things that probably won't happen because, you know, maybe, just maybe they're stupid enough to do it. Um, I've been hearing a lot of speculation about what the new name at Hollywood Studios is going to be. You know, if you got to keep changing the name, something's up. Something's up. I mean, does anybody else think about that? 
it was, you know, MGM Studios, and then it's Disney's Hollywood Studios, and now it's going to be something else. And, you know, basically, let's admit our format failed. Because, I mean, there was a time where I loved that park. That was one of my favorite parks. Now, when I think about it, I get a lump in my throat. Uh, it's small. It's crowded. It has very little relevance beyond maybe a couple of rides. But the Backlot Tour and Indiana Jones and Lights Motor Action, God almighty. You know, that was one of the attractions, you know, back in the, was it for Disneyland's 50th, they were, Disney parks around the world were sending their attractions to each other as a gift. And apparently the French were getting even with us for something during the Second World War when they sent Lights, Motors, Action, because that was just awful. I'm sorry. It was awful. And, you know, the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids Playground. You know, let's, you know, wow, that's a great 30-year-old intellectual property that most kids have no concept of what it is. Um, How Tower of Terror is great. Rock and Roller Coaster is great. Great movie ride will be great when they redo it. But, again, that was just like, you know, Let's build an attraction, then completely forget about it and leave it there for like 50 years. And then wonder why it's a walk-on all the time. You know, Toy Story Mania remains one of my favorite rides. Um, But I'm not going to go out of my way to go be over there. So now with the construction, which will hopefully not last seven years, you know, once that's done, you know, we're pretty clear there's going to be Star Wars land. I'm still pretty sure we're going to see Cars land, but, you know. I can see them bringing some elements of California Adventure over here. I think that would be great, but I don't think they'll name it that. I really don't. Uh, What they'll name it, I have no idea. And at this point, I could care less because in three years, it's probably going to change again. So, thank you for that, Jonathan. See who else we have here. Rebecca. Hi, guys. I'm sure somebody has already posed this question, but I've only been watching a few months, not a few years, sadly. Nonetheless, I thought I'd put it out there. <laughs> Obviously, there's a huge collection of Disney memorabilia in the background of your video segments. Have you ever committed a segment? simply to discuss the vast majority of those items and how they came to be, i.e. where they came from, any particular meaning, etc. All right. Well, thank you uh, for that, Rebecca. Um, You know, yeah, we've been asked this a lot, and I think from time to time we've done a couple things. Have I committed a segment to it? No. Not to say I won't. Um, What I will say is the top row of of shelves behind me uh, when we're doing the video show anyway. Um, That's kind of our memorial, our little memorial shelf on one side on the uh, far left, if you're a viewer, far right, if you're me, um, is Bob Varley. And uh, he was a member of our team that passed away a few years back. And we have a picture of him there along with, uh, I got to turn around here for this. Picture of him along with his microphone. Uh, the picture of him is uh, 
with the donkey from Shrek at Universal Studios. He's in his cart. There's a bottle of Stewart's grape soda there because that was Bob's like favorite thing to drink. There is a Bob 08 bumper sticker, like a political bumper sticker, that was actually done by Dustin when he was a listener, and he sent it in. And uh, it was one night, not long after he was hired, that uh, we were talking, you know, he was hired to to run the show, and uh, I pulled out Bob's bag. I still have Bob's bag here full of his notes and things like that, and I pulled it out, and Dustin and I were going through it, and then that that was in there, that bumper sticker. And I said, oh, gosh, I'll never forget when he got this. He was unbearable. Um, he loved it. He thought it was the greatest thing. And Dustin looked at me and said, I did that. I was like, you're kidding me. And he went up and he pulled it up on the boards. Sure enough, he was the one that designed that and sent it to Bob. Bob loved it. So that was kind of weird, kind of, kind of really serendipitous. Because what... Dustin and Bob would have been best friends. I will tell you this right now. Dustin and Bob would have been best friends. Bob wanted this show video in the worst way. We just didn't have the technology or the know-how to do it. That didn't happen until we hired Dustin. So Bob would have been absolutely, Bob never would have sat at this table again. Bob would have been back behind that equipment. That's where he loved to be. Loved to be behind the camera more than in front of the camera and loved to be part of the technical team, and that's where he would have been. So that's what's on the far left for you watching the show. Um, in the center is an American flag that was presented to us by one of our listeners who served in Afghanistan. And that flew, that flag flew in Afghanistan, and that was probably one of the most meaningful and emotional gifts a listener has ever handed me. And um, anybody who's listened to the show for any length of time knows I am a big fan and a big supporter of the, arm, of the armed forces. I have amazing respect for the men and women who will put themselves in situations like that because I can't fathom it. I'm not courageous enough or brave enough to do that. And I look at those men and women who do that so that I can sit here and spout the nonsense I spout. And so to have been presented that by someone in the, in the service and to know that that flew in Afghanistan on a U.S. Army base really means the world to me. On the far right of the upper shelf is uh, my puppy Max. If you listen to some old shows... Prior to two th uh, December 2012, when I had to have him put down, he was uh, he was always in the studio. You could always hear him walking around on the floor and barking if someone was at the door. And uh, he, um, when I had to have him put down, that was probably the most heart wrenching moment of my life, honestly. And I really and truly think, not that I didn't love my father to death, I think I cried more when Max died than when my dad did. And uh, he died. We had him, I had him put down while we were on our break doing the show. It was over the holidays in 2012. And I don't normally, would not normally come into the studio during that time, uh, right before we were getting ready to reboot the show for 2013. 
I came in the studio and one of his toys was here on the floor and I just lost it again. So that toy, along with a picture of him, sits up on the sits up on the shelf. And uh, there's a ton of stuff back here. I'm not going to go through all of it right now, but maybe at some point we'll do that. But thanks for the question. Okay, have another voicemail we're going to play from Jane. Hi, everyone. My name is Jane. I am Nushkin on the boards. And my question is about the growing nuisance, the selfie stick. Uh, Are they still allowed in the parks? Are they being used in the parks? Here in Chicago, they're being banned at some of the local museums. And just the other day, we were having dinner, and I got hit in the back of the head by one being used at the table next to us. And so I'm just wondering, in addition to enduring the iPad photographers, do we also have to dodge the selfie sticks? That's all I had to say, and thanks a lot. Bye. All right. Thank you for that, Jane. You know, um, Who's texting me? the... Uh, Oh, that, I just got a text message. Um, <laughs> I think I'll leave that in. Yeah, my text uh, notification is Peter Griffin from Family Guy. The topic is selfie sticks. You know what? You want to know what I'm worried about? I'm worried that I'm going to end up in prison because I have this fantasy of grabbing one out of somebody's hands and just beating the hell out of them with it. They are the most annoying things going, and... It's, you know, selfies in general, I think, are pretty obnoxious. The selfie stick just takes it to, like, obnoxious on steroids. To answer your question, though, uh, no, they are not banned from the parks, although Disney and Universal have now banned them from being used on attractions. You cannot use them on attractions, but... uh, you know, which makes perfect sense. I think they should be banned from the parks. I really do. You know, they're so popular. They're everywhere. I don't know if they would be able to, like, really enforce... Well, I guess if they can enforce smoking rules, they can enforce that. I really would love to see them gone from the from the parks. And I would like to see people who use iPads to shoot video and take pictures uh, forced to endure electroshock therapy until they learn to just use a camera. The iPad is a crappy camera. If you have an iPad, chances are you have an iPhone. It's a much better camera. It's got a better lens. It's got a better processor. It's got better everything. The iPhone's a crappy camera, and it's obnoxious. Put it down. We don't want to see it. I'm sorry. But it's late. I'm sick. And, yeah, you got to bring up selfie sticks. I really... I mean it every time I see one. I think, okay, what would it be like if I just took that stick and beat the person with it? I mean, of course, I'm not going to do that. And I'm not encouraging anyone to do that. I'm being facetious. It just is to uh, a vehicle by which to express my utter and complete hatred of, uh, of selfie sticks. Um, I, we haven't seen the last of them. You know, when I was in Venice in September, you could not go anywhere in that city where people weren't selling them. I mean, literally, it was like every five feet, there was somebody else selling selfie sticks. And by by extension, every 10 feet, there was some moron using one. If you use a selfie stick, you are part of the decay of civilization. They should 
it's ridiculous. Ask someone to take your damn picture. It's been done forever. Everybody's always happy to help. All right, I think I'm going to take one more before I call it a night. And let's see, we have Justin. I'm not screening these, by the way. I'm just hitting them and seeing what's there. Hey, guys, this is Justin DeLang, longtime listener. I have some ideas for future episodes that have either not been discussed yet or at least have not been discussed recently. The first, I would be interested in a getting there episode. For example, uh, an episode covering the Orlando International Airport. Uh, what are the pros and cons of flying into this airport? And is there any utility into flying into other area airports such as Sanford International? It would also be useful to discuss the pros and cons of car rental or other transportation options that would be useful to get to the parks or to our hotel, especially if we're staying off-site at a non-Disney hotel. The other idea would revolve around the Four Seasons Resort at Walt Disney World. Perhaps you're covering this in a future episode or 7 and 7. That resort looks absolutely stunning, and I would be very interested to know your opinion regarding this resort. Love the show and keep up the good work. Thanks, guys. Well, thank you, Justin. Um, uh, getting there. Good idea for a show. Great idea. Um, I think we could probably do something with that. Um, if we do, we'll send you a little something because we love getting good ideas for shows. I will say this. You mentioned Sanford. If, unless you're flying internationally, I wouldn't recommend Sanford. Um, if domestically flying into Sanford, uh, you really don't save much money. You'll save more flying into Tampa. And transportation options out of Sanford are almost nil. So usually Sanford, from what I understand, really mostly what's going into Sanford internationally is tour groups. So they've already arranged transportation, things like that. Tampa is always an interesting option. It's an hour away. And there are times I have seen the prices going into Tampa a fraction of what they are coming into Orlando. It's not nearly as busy an airport, but it is still a major airport. Rental car companies, you know, if you're going to do like a car service, you're not going to want to do that from Tampa. But if you're renting a car, uh, it's a good option. Of course, Magical Express, for people that are doing packages and staying at Disney World, Magical Express kind of takes care of that. But an interesting idea for a uh, for a segment. Uh, as far as the Four Seasons, yeah, that's on the it's on the schedule. Uh, for the summer, um, when exactly, I'm not sure. I have not been over there to see it yet. Uh, I did actually talk to someone who was on the ABD trip I just got off of who had stayed there and did not have good things to say about it. But uh, I really haven't heard a lot other than that. I agree with you. It looks amazing, but, you know, I'm not, you know, I, I, I really can't say anything. Fan of Four Seasons, I will tell you this. The fact that there is a Four Seasons on property now has all of the deluxe hotels taking a look at their concierge uh, lounges and their service because, you know, it's what Four Seasons does. And now they're being held to direct comparison. And some of these hotels don't fare well. I've noticed the contemporary in particular, their concierge level has really undergone quite a bit of... uh, Quite, quite a number of changes, all for the better. I'm, I'm really, really been enjoying staying concierge at the Contemporary. Going to be doing it again in May for the 24-hour event. So, But, uh, yeah, at some point, we do have that. Uh, we do have four seasons on the, on the schedule. So 
some point this summer, hopefully. All right, I think I'll take a few more of these. Um, this one is from Mitch. We just visited the uh, Cabana Bay Beach Resort, and our taxi driver mentioned the construction across the street was a new Universal Resort, and it was going to have a safari theme. Have you guys heard about this or um, uh, got any rumors started about it? Um, let me know. Thanks. Uh, All right. Thank you, Mitch. Uh, the resort you're speaking of is uh, Sapphire Falls. And uh, it's actually, I don't think it's safari. I think it's going to be uh, a Caribbean, Caribbean-inspired uh, I'm just pulling it up here. Yeah, picture a colorful Caribbean hideaway built around a lush tropical lagoon, towering waterfall. Um, this is scheduled to open in 2016. It is a um, where I guess Cabana Bay is considered a value. This will be considered a moderate, um, which I guess makes Royal Pacific a moderate slash deluxe, and the other two are deluxe because, you know, when Royal Pacific opened, that was supposed to be its, you know, its value resort, so to speak. Unlike Royal Pacific and the other uh, deluxe resorts, uh, Hard Rock and Portofino Bay, Sapphire Falls will not offer uh, Express Pass uh, in the parks. That's also the case with Cabana Bay. Cabana Bay does not offer the Express Pass. So uh, one of the things I applaud Universal for doing is kind of preserving the integrity of that Express Pass, that they're not giving away too many of them. They're making sure that it's a real value, that people aren't waiting on 10, 15-minute lines for their version of FastPass. So um, I'm very excited about, you know, this is going to be another Lowe's resort. Sapphire Falls is a Lowe's resort. All the resorts at Universal are are Lowe's. And I'm very excited because I love Lowe's properties. They do a great job. I love all the resorts at Universal. I think they are among the very best in Orlando. It's among the best uh, probably in the country in many regards. And you take a look at Cabana Bay. I, I just thought what they did with that was brilliant. I mean, that 60s throwback, Mad Men vibe that they've got going on, incredible. So I'm very excited about this. And uh, they just released the logo for it uh, last month. And, you know, it was kind of a basic logo. Not much to get excited about. But that is supposed to be opening uh, next year, I believe, 2016. So... Sapphire Falls is what you were uh, referring to. You know, if we're going to get on the topic of universal and expansion, I'm going to tell you something. Mark my words. They sold a bunch of land years ago. They had a bunch of land on International Drive that they sold. I'm going to tell you now, I haven't heard anything. I don't know that there's any, you know, anything that this is going to happen. Just a feeling that I have with the kind of money Comcast is spending and the kind of in, uh, commitment to the investment they seem to be making, I wouldn't be surprised if they buy that land back. I would not be surprised. They're going to want to build another park. And they got to find land somewhere, and I don't think they have any land left that they can do it on. I mean, they could. I mean, this is. I've heard this batted around too. 
that they could just level Wet n Wild and build something there because they own Wet n Wild. But I don't think that would be enough. I think at some point in the next five years, they will either announce or complete the acquisition of additional land and the building of a third a third theme park. Especially if things keep going the way they're going. There's no doubt. I can't, I, I can't imagine they wouldn't. So that's what I think. I'm going to take one more. Let's see, from Maddie. Hi, everyone. I absolutely love every show that you guys put on. I think that it's fantastic. Um, Great way to start a voicemail. Great way. You know, I'm all in now. So go ahead. A little bit about myself. My name is Maddie, and I go to Portland State University in Portland, Oregon. I recently got accepted into the Disney College program, and I'm very excited I got accepted. Okay, now I'm feeling bad that I just trashed the college program. I'm sure you're going to be wonderful, Maddie. Go ahead. For merchandise. And I know that you guys, or some people on the podcast, express their... um, I guess their frustration with the college program and its participants. And I can assure you, I intend to do the very best I can in every way, shape, and form. So my question is to you, what do you think that the majority of the college program students, what do you think that they could be doing better? Um, And what do you look for in a cast member? I am so excited, and if I run into any of you, I would want to do the very best I possibly could and the very best I possibly could in any situation. Well, that's because, you know, we're going to come back here and talk about you and we're going to make fun of you if you don't, uh, if you don't do well. So if you would like to address this question, that would be awesome. Well, I'm here and I'm addressing it, Maddie. Um, first of all, thank you very much for, for calling in and congratulations on uh, getting into the college program. I, I want to. I just want to be really clear here. Um, I know so many people on the college program that were were amazing cast members, huge Disney fans, loved to be here and loved to work uh, for Disney. Some of them made it a career. You know, I think I think a lot of uh, one of our friends, Matt Dobovolsky, um who is, you know, I think he's on his way to a great career in Disney. And again, passionate about Disney, passionate about the legacy of Disney and wanting, you know, wanting to be that great cast member. They are out there. Those cast members I love. If they could fill the park with college program cast members like that, I'm all in. I'm all in. But the problem is they can't. They can't. I think that should be the standard. I think you should have to take a Disney fan test before you become college program. Because it's not, and and I don't blame the college kids on the program. 100% of the blame for this problem lies solely in Disney. They're not being trained. They're being trained on how to operate a cash register, how to operate a ride. They're being trained on some basic things here and there. But there are no traditions training, real traditions training going on anymore. There's no, uh, there's no legacy being taught. 
you know, we were out in Disneyland for eight days last month. And we were, I was talking to a lot of cast members. And, you know, every single one of them said the same thing to me. We take our legacy seriously here. And that's what's missing. And the reason they take it seriously, well, I mean, in part, because they grew up with it. And they, it, it, it's part of the culture in Southern California. Beyond that, it's taught to them out there. It's instilled in them. It's so, they're surrounded by it. And I get the impression that if you're not into preserving the legacy, you're probably kind of shunned out at Disneyland. We don't have that here. We don't invest in the frontline cast members. It's temporary help. They, Disney's not going to spend the money training them because they're going to be gone in nine months. Yes, you have the occasional college program cast member who comes back or makes a career out of working for Disney, but the vast majority of them don't. So if you just have a temporary workforce, guess what? Your product's going to reflect that. And the product does reflect that. I mentioned this in the show months ago. Do you remember the days, you might be too young, back in the 90s in particular, when Disney was pushing their, the Disney service? When was the last time you saw that? When was the last time you heard about that? Have you noticed that they quietly stopped pushing that? You know why? Because they know they don't deliver it anymore. They are not known for service anymore. That was yesterday. Hopefully, it will also be tomorrow. But it's not today. So I'm glad and thrilled to hear someone like you, so enthusiastic, so happy to be getting, being a part of the college program and going to work at Disney World, you are going to make a great cast member. You are going to make a great cast member. You'll love the company. You'll love the parks. You'll love what goes on there. You are going to make a great cast member. And if they could fill the park with college program people like you, like Matt Dabrowski, like Dustin West, who was on the college program, like Corey Martin, who was on the college program, they could fill the park with people like that? If that was the standard, I wouldn't be having this discussion with you. Because that enthusiasm and drive and passion would compensate for so many other sins happening behind the scenes. But unfortunately, that is not the case. And until Disney changes what they do in terms of the college program and how they staff their parks, when you have so many people in Central Florida right now that are unemployed that would invest as a full-time cast member would invest themselves and you train them and you train them in legacy and you train them in the history of the company you train them in what made it great you instill that in them and you insist on it then and only then can Disney come back to that level of service they were once known for but as of right now, that is a memory. And that is going to do it for our show for this week. I thank you for sitting here and listening to me. I know it's not ideal. Um, next week, we will be back with the whole team, provided everyone's healthy. But uh, 
I hope you enjoyed my little whatever this was. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, stay out of the damn lakes. I'll see you next week.